Thank you for tuning in to the Cashew Podcast channel. In this episode, Karina Berry chats with Dr. Wendy Haight, Gamble Scogmo Child Welfare and Youth Policy Chair, about moral injury in child welfare professionals. We hope you enjoy this conversation. Wendy, could you share a little bit more about who you are, kind of what your role is here at the university, in the school? I am a professor here in the School of Social Work, and I am the Gamble Scogmo Chair in Child Welfare and Youth Policy. Can you share a little bit more about what it means to be the Gamble Scogmo Chair of Child Welfare? We have a wonderful resource in our school um, created by Mr. Gamble and Scogmo. They were businessmen who wanted to do something for children. And they set up this endowment, and it allows a professor to spend a significant amount of time doing largely community-engaged research um, around issues important to the well-being of children and families. And we're going to talk today about moral injury, which is kind of one area of research that you all are doing. Could you share a little bit more about how how did you begin studying moral injury and what, what brought you to that, that area of research? So I got involved when a community partner, a psychiatrist, was speaking with me about some of the challenges that he faces in delivering the best quality of care to his patients. He's an inpatient psychiatrist. And he talked about, he introduced me to the concept of moral injury. As an inpatient psychiatrist, he deals with many very sick people. He talked, for example, about a young man who, during an episode of psychosis, killed his mother. Well, they got the psychosis under control. But then he was left suffering with the understanding that he had killed his mother. How do you live with that? Mm -hmm. And so this community partner had read about some research done by a psychiatrist at the uh, VA hospitals, and they had noticed similar issues. They were um, noticing these issues primarily with veterans, that yes, trauma occurs, but trauma can co-occur with moral injury, with the threats that they experience to their fundamental concepts and assumptions about what is right and wrong, what is just. And this could be in combat when maybe a child was killed or when they observed a superior officer abuse another subordinate or civilian. So all of these types of moral injuries they notice and my community partner noticed can create feelings of guilt and shame and uh, threats to basic meaning systems and these feelings can be very intense and they can persist for years even after therapy because we don't have interventions specific to moral injury. And so when I heard about moral injury from this community partner, I immediately made the connection to child welfare and the children and families that I had worked with um, as part of my um, duties as a Gamble Skagma uh, 
professor, but also prior to that. And to give you an example, I thought of a young boy who was part of a research project we did over time. It was longitudinal, and it had, and the research focused on the experiences of children whose parents were addicted to methamphetamine and also involved in child welfare. And this little boy, we saw him at the age of eight, and then uh, when he was 11, at the end, and at eight, he, had, he entered foster care with a lot of trauma. And he'd gotten some high-quality intervention for that trauma. But when I spoke with him again when he was 11, he was really suffering with moral injury, which I didn't name at the time. But he was suffering with trying to make sense of or somehow live with an event that happened between him and his grandfather when his parents and their drug-seeking pressured him to steal money from his grandfather. So he was suffering with his parents violating a basic assumption that he had about right and wrong, and then also that he had done that. And that was causing him feelings of guilt and shame and confusion even after the trauma had been successfully addressed. And so that's how I got involved with moral injury. And then, as you know, we went on to look at moral injury in parents involved in the child welfare system and also child welfare workers. Now we're looking at moral injury in, that is experienced in childhood and adolescence in individuals with foster care histories. Yeah, it's very powerful research you all are doing. Thank you. So, Wendy, you and your team are looking at and learning more about these different groups of individuals impacted Mm -hmm. by moral injury within the child welfare system and area. Could you share a little bit more about what some of those different impacts are, right? When we're thinking of social workers who are er working in the field of child welfare, Mm -hmm. who are supporting youth in um, foster care or supporting parents or other caregivers that are involved in child welfare, um, kind of what you're seeing, some of the different impacts and what maybe workers should know about that. We see a lot of convergence across people who are differently positioned vis-a-vis the child welfare system. I think both professionals and parents were impacted by the system and experienced moral injury as a result of characteristics of the system. We have an adversarial system and that and professionals talked about how that adversarial situation actually impedes their ability to help, truly help and support families and children. And they felt morally injured by that because they, most social workers, most child welfare workers, they go into the field because they want to help and support and empower families and children. But they find that within the system, which is overburdened, under-resourced, adversarial, that doesn't necessarily happen. And some expressed the feelings that that really violated their personal and professional ethics and moral frameworks. Likewise, parents felt or identified moral injury associated with 
involvement in the system. They went, they might have entered into the system hoping for and expecting that the professionals there would help them. And instead, they felt additional stress and pressure and harm. And many described feeling attacked because of the adversarial nature of the system. And that these feelings they describe as making them less likely to engage in services that in fact could have been helpful to them. And to go back, professionals, when they talked about moral injury from the system, many of them talked about feeling burned out, about feeling that they wanted to leave and not do this important work anymore. Children whom were is a new group that we're looking at, and I really can't say a lot about the results of that study, but children, in terms of moral injury, have not been studied. And this is one of the first studies of moral injury in childhood and adolescence. And so you can think about how the experience of moral injury might be impacting moral development as it's happening. And those are important questions that, we'll an- that we hope to address in our ongoing research. And so absolutely understanding the impact on professionals and maybe the, feel, the experience of burnout and high stress and fatigue and, mm-hmm. and wanting to leave the workforce. I also wonder about hope and healing and wondering kind of in these maybe earlier stages of what you're seeing and finding Mm -hmm. and hearing from some of these professionals on kind of what is giving them hope, what is helping them Mm -hmm. heal, Mm -hmm. what is keeping them in this work. Supportive supervision seems very important. Peer support seems very important. There is new data from an intervention for moral injury. It's called resiliency strength training. It's been implemented and evaluated with veterans, but it is widely applicable with adaptation. It is a peer support model um, where individuals who have this common experience of moral injury can understand one another, uh, can provide support to one another, can work on ways of healing and um, processing moral injury. It's non-stigmatizing. It's, we're not saying that moral injury is a mental disorder. It certainly is not. Uh, in some of these situations, if you, don't, if you didn't experience moral injury, we would wonder about your, uh, your moral uh, development. Um, so it's not a mental illness, but that doesn't mean that it doesn't cause profound suffering. Uh, and persistent suffering, um, that it doesn't impact, impede um, one's well-being. So I think it's important to um, understand moral injury in in that context to provide support. Resiliency strength training also provides support to the peer facilitators. So it's an intervention where Um, the peer facilitators are supported and also taught certain um, 
exercises or um, activities that those who have experienced moral injury have described as being helpful. So um, reflective writing um, and talking and making sense of this of the moral injury um, forgiveness um, activities like meditation and yoga have all been identified as ways of um, recovering uh, spirituality seems to be very important because these moral injuries do cause certain you know existential crises um, in those who experience them and so spiritual practices have also been identified as helpful and are incorporated into resiliency strength training thank you for for folks listening and maybe still trying to wrap their heads around like what what does this mean what is moral injury and maybe how is it different or the same or have some overlap with post uh, traumatic stress disorder or vicarious trauma or secondary mm-hmm. traumatic mm-hmm. stress mm-hmm. could you share just a little bit more of yeah. what is different between those and maybe how there might be some overlap or um, commonalities yeah there's overlap for sure um, but moral injury moral injury um, often does overlap with trauma so the veterans described by Jonathan Shea um, you can imagine um, a, a soldier who experiences sexual assault from, say, a superior officer, that that would, um, in, that would result both in trauma, but also moral injury, a profound violation, betrayal of trust, um, and assumptions about uh, the how um, individuals treat one another, particularly those who are in positions of power. So moral injury often does overlap with trauma, also as in the the young boy from the rural methamphetamine-involved family. He had both trauma and moral injury. So I think understanding moral injury can help us understand PTSD at a deeper, more complex level. But trauma can also occur without moral injury. So I think of a caseworker who had a car accident um, during uh, some bad weather on a rural road was not her fault. There's no, you know, human fault or involved in that. Um, but she did experience PTSD. She didn't experience moral injury. Um, moral injury also can occur without trauma. And an example of that is a very talented musician, a clarinetist, um, whose passionate ambition and hope was to study with one of the prominent uh, clarinetists. Um, So he applied to the graduate program to study with this person, and his girlfriend at the time, who didn't want him to leave, sent him a fake email rejection to the program. And when he learned about this some years later, when he ran into the clarinetist, who then asked him why he hadn't come to study with him, um, and he learned of this betrayal, that he felt a profound moral injury. He didn't feel trauma. He felt moral injury. 
So moral injury can co-occur with trauma um, and often does, but, it, but trauma can occur without moral injury and moral injury can occur without trauma. Thank you. That, that's a helpful uh, distinction, I think, between the two. So is moral injury a new phenomenon or is it just maybe new to some of us folks in the child welfare area in, in naming and labeling? Yeah, I think the latter. Um, moral injury, I believe, is an ancient and likely universal human experience. Two of the foundational works in this area by Jonathan Shea are titled Achilles in Vietnam and Odysseus in America, where Shea relates the suffering of Vietnam War veterans um, with the suffering of Achilles. And there are multiple examples that you can draw on throughout history and different cultural contexts. What is new is the attention paid to the phenomenon by mental health professionals. So Wendy, you and your team at Gamble Scogmo have been a longtime partner of ours at Cashew, but moral injury, the your your work around moral injury is, is still new to us and, and we've been fortunate to partner with you over the last year or so and in looking more into translating what you're finding in your research mm-hmm. um, into more accessible, you know, training products and ways that worker, frontline workers and supervisors in the field can access this important information. Mm -hmm. And so this past year, we collaborated on um, this new video project. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Could you share a little bit more about that video project? So Wendy, in the in the video we listened to, we were able to hear from three different workers who are at each at different stages in their careers, from pretty much fresh in the field for under a couple years, all the way up to you know twenty to thirty years in practice. I would also add that these workers also work in different area, you know, rural, urban, suburban counties, and and with different communities demographic wise. Um, but after hearing kind of their their stories, some of their experiences, what stands out to you as a researcher and, and what feels important? What feels important to me is that after these workers, after parents, after youth, shared these really difficult experiences with us and these difficult feelings, I believe we have a real obligation to systematically design and evaluate ways of addressing moral injury. And I think that's something that um, we can even begin thinking about now. And it's touched upon in the video. And I think um, it would be helpful to kind of extend those discussions a little bit. When we did our research and in our ongoing research, We always ask people about ways that they found of moving forward of recovering from moral injury. And we hear some common themes. As one of the workers in the video described, there are things that individuals might do on an individual level to help them to be more resilient to morally injurious events. So workers on the videos talked about spiritual practices, and this is a common theme both within the literature 
and in our research, asking those existential questions and dealing with issues of meaning, because that's fundamentally what moral injury is, a lack of meaning, a disruption of meaning systems. So those spiritual um, practices uh, can both help the person make sense of their experiences and also to feel some sense of centering personally given those experiences. So spiritual resources, um, activities that are soothing or centering like yoga or meditation are practices that consistently come up when individuals talk about how to recover. So that's what a person can do individually. I think peer support is also a theme that comes up routinely to be able to discuss with colleagues common experiences and practices um, that can be extremely helpful. Um, supportive supervision is also um, very helpful. There's some empirical research suggesting that mentoring um, helps individuals be more resilient uh, in the face of morally injurious events and to recover. So supportive supervision, mentoring, those seem important. Also important uh, seems to be taking action. So advocacy for social change, um, advocacy to help reduce the risk to others of moral injury um, is healing. Um, so um, advocating for lower caseloads, for better quality service availability for clients. Those are important. Yeah. You know, and this is kind of off the cuff, so no worries if you're, um, you know, hearing the stories from these workers, and again, knowing that they're at, all three of them are at different stages mm -hmm. of their careers, and I think of Sarah, who is, um, just entering this this workforce and, and, and starting her career in child welfare. But then I also think of Carol, who is on the other mm -hmm. end and who has mm -hmm. clearly had some resilience in, in staying in, in this field and doing this tough work. And I just wonder if anything from their stories stood out to you regarding that and, and mm -hmm. felt clear, felt like a clear connection to that, maybe resilience, or what has helped keep Carol yeah. there, if that makes sense. I think that some of the workers that we spoke with who were just starting out in their career were very idealistic, very, very motivated to help families to make changes. So I think the first assaults on that idealism from working within an overburdened, under-resourced system, they felt keenly and sometimes felt betrayed, some sense of betrayal from their programs, from their professional trainings. They felt um, like n not prepared um, to deal with situations in which their idealism um, was crushed. <laughs> I think that, Carol is the older, uh, I think that workers like Carol who have shown resilience and were able to work within the system for a long period of time, I think they have much to teach us and much wisdom from which we can learn about how to better buffer 
those new workers just coming into the field. We have a course through Educational Technology Innovations that will be coming online within the next month or so that is a full course on moral injury for continuing education. It is free and it is available to anyone who wants to learn more. So there are five modules, and each module includes PowerPoint lectures. It includes some video of workers and researchers discussing moral injury, and then it includes a quiz that you take for continuing education. So I encourage anyone interested in learning more to consider checking that out. Will information about this course be available on the Gamble Scott Mode? website? Well, it should be. Okay. I mean, maybe we got to make a note to do that. Because <laughs> we can but, link to that and the video that we've listened to and other resources that you you all have created a number of resources that we can link yeah. to in the episode. Yeah, well, and we're also going to, Cashew will also have the course. So when we hear Sarah's story or, or Anne's story where they're describing these moments of, I think, what appears to be both moral injury and even some traumatic stress mm-hmm. and when other as and as other listeners who are hearing this episode maybe are thinking like oh wow I, I've experienced that or I can identify this moment or maybe may come across this in the future can you share do you have advice or suggestions for how these folks might navigate and address that I take as a model the Minnesota One-Stop Parenting Parent Mentor Program. And what that is, it is a peer support group. So individuals feeling like, oh, I've experienced moral injury and I'm struggling with it, they might consider uh, the Parent Mentor Program in Minnesota started as a grassroots group of African-American mothers who had experienced child welfare who wanted to do better for other parents, and they were concerned about racial disparities. They comprise this group. Um, They're now providing services to many Minnesota counties, but part of what I hear from those parents is that not only that, that they find healing in discussions with other parents who've experienced very similar um, feelings, including moral injury, I would suggest, and that being able to have time with those other parents, but then also use the difficult experiences that they have had personally to help others give meaning to those troubling experiences. So I would encourage people who feel that, workers who feel that they may be suffering from moral injury to check it out, see if, if there is uh, a peer support group that they might um, comprise to support one another and help other workers who might be suffering as well. We are going to take a few minutes to listen to this newly released video on moral injury in child welfare professionals that both of our teams worked on this past year. Can you share a little bit more about the video? We spoke with three 
social workers, uh, Sarah, Anne, and Carol, at different stages of their career. Sarah was just beginning, and Carol is a very experienced worker. Um, they also practice in different contexts, rural, urban, suburban, and, but they all describe feelings of moral injury in relation to their work in child welfare. Okay, we will listen to some of the audio from that video. Well, thank you, Wendy, so much for taking time and joining me today to share a little bit more about the great research you're doing, a little bit more of our partnership um, and, and the work happening behind the scenes to help bring moral injury and the implications for child welfare more to the forefront. We will um, link to and include a lot of the resources that we mentioned to and any additional resources that you think of on our website and in the description of the podcast. And we'll, we'll be in touch for kind of future projects and, and findings to, to help keep spreading the word. You are very welcome. And thank you for your work in bringing our research into practice. This podcast was supported in part by a grant from the Minnesota Department of Human Services, Children and Family Services Division.